most painful thing. Hello and welcome to episode 39 of What Most People Think. How are you? How are you? You're you breaking rules, are you? You're breaking rules because of Dom. Is that what it is? Yeah? Are you out there? Because because Dominic Cummins did it. Uh, I'm licking handrails. Yeah? Is that how it works? <laughs> is that how it works? Well, anyway, welcome to the podcast, What Most People Think, that tries to... To, to pick out the, the absolute middle of British political opinion and stand by it like Boris Johnson stood by Dominic Cummins. Uh, we'll get into all that in a little while. We do have a, a guest this week, but before we do that, let's uh, just say hello to the VIP patrons. Uh, there's one new one this week, Miles Hutchinson, all on his own. But as I say that, I'm recalling that I saw an email earlier telling me there was a new VIP patron, and his name is Richard Norris. Welcome to the VIP room, Richard Norris. Uh, thank you for your support. Um, we keep a weekly cuss count on this uh, podcast just for, you know, just like the coronavirus daily press now. There's no specific reason for it. We're just doing it all the time. No one actually needs it. You know, there's no, there's not much new coming up. It's just, it's just fun. It's part of our routine. So there's quite a lot of swear words from last week. The curve has not been flattened despite the graphs, and thank you to everybody that sent in those graphs. I've read all of them, and I was pissing myself laughing. There's there's a swear word, which leads me into, we had one arse, three bastards, seven fucks, one fuckers, six fuckings, one fucks, I like the distinction there, uh, one pissed, two pisses, one pissing, one prick, and, and three shits. So I think that there has been a localised outbreak of swearing there, but uh, we would remind people to keep the the two bastard rule in place. Uh, coming up today, we've got a special guest. It's Kenny Marmorella de Cruz. This guy is the man whisper, whisperer. He is the, to me, he's the absolute new don of male psychology. Obviously, Jordan Peterson was quite useful, but he's um, he's not himself at the moment. So I think Kenny, uh, Kenny is the guy. And I wanted to get him on the show because I did a pilot with him a while ago for a TV show uh, that didn't eventually get commissioned. Not that I'm bitter, but he's got some really novel ways to understand men. And I know that some some of you right now have written to me in the past going, what are you doing all that bollocks about psychology and shit? Just shut up, just get on with it. I understand that. I feel like that sometimes uh, as well. But I'm just saying uh, he's got a new way of doing it, which I think is, which is uh, a method which understands who men really are. Um, so quick, we're going to get into, so what we're going to have, we're going to have a bit of politics first and then catching up on all the Dominic Cummings and going shit and then the main part of the show is going to be the chat with Kenny, then we'll do the letters, etc. But a quick thank you and a fuck you, uh, thank you to all the Patreons sign up, signing up, uh, the new material show is tonight as we speak, um, so there's going to be no lawyers, no edit, do you know what I mean? Maybe we could take it a little bit further. That's what I'm saying. New material. If you've ever wanted to see comics say the worst shit they've ever said, go to a new material gig because under pressure, we get desperate and we say bad things. So let's hope that goes well tonight. Who knows? By the time you listen to this, I might have been cancelled because someone snitched. Whatever. Uh, A fuck you to the boo for Boris. Okay? I just don't like all this stuff. You know, it's the same as clap for Boris. It doesn't... It, what the best I could say for Boo for Boris is that it went every bit as well as the clap for Boris. You've got to understand that there is a difference between things that get big on Twitter and in the real world. The reason that the clap for carers thing worked, well, even now, I'm glad that's coming to an end. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I also, I'm also glad that lockdown is ending. 
because I think we're calling too many people heroes. Do you know what I mean? At the moment, we're going, oh, you know, nurses are heroes. You're like, well, yeah, yeah, that's good, nurses. They're heroes, yeah, sort of. I mean, they get paid and, they, you know, they've got pensions, but whatever. Doctors are heroes. You're like, well, you know, they get paid quite a fair bit and they've got even bigger pensions, but, you know. Supermarket workers, you're like, all right, fuck off. Okay, so just catching up on Cumminsgate, Cumgate, whatever it was called. Now, cards on the table, it might piss some people off, but I, I thought that Dominic should have resigned. You know, not fired, in a way, because I think this is different. I think he should have seen that there was guidelines coming in, it was a, a loss of faith with the public, and, and maybe should have stepped back. Not forever, maybe, but you know, even if he came back really soon. You know, just, just step, like, like, you know when Diane Abbott, when they, they fired her before the 20, was it 15? No, 17 election. They realised how unpopular. Last throw of the dice to get a couple more votes. So we, we fucked Diane off. And then the next day, like, Diane's back. Um, but on the other hand, despite thinking that he should have been fired, there's no doubt that some of the scale of the anger uh, was cooked up by the fact he was the Brexit guy. <laughs> so, like, he's hated. He's absolutely hated. Do you think that there would have been the same level of fury over Cummins' um, possible guideline breaches if this had been one of the previous special advisors? That being that that weird nerdy bloke that was with Theresa May, what was his name? Nick Timothy. I don't even know the geezer's name. If he'd have done it, no one would have give a shit. Because it was Dominic Cummins, it was like he strayed onto a massive uppercut, right? And there was people that have never forgiven him because obviously he delivered. This is the guy that delivered Brexit, right? And then he's delivered the 2019 election, which effectively, um, which effectively sort of made sure that Brexit was definitely going to happen. It was a strange old thing, mate. If it had come out like on the Friday or the Saturday when the story first started breaking, they could have squashed this so much quicker. But instead, now he was fucking bowling out of his house like a Gallagher brother, wasn't he? Like, yeah, we were. They're going up to Dodham. Boris is going to be the one that saves me. He was giving it a bit large, wasn't he? Even if you're a fan, it, he was giving it extra large. But then, of course, the press, if there was a moral higher ground, right, they're going to dive face first off of it. So first I was a few journalists, then it was this absolute scrum that were doing exactly the thing that they were accusing him of not doing. And it all builds up to this point. Boris probably didn't help things when he did that press conference where, as not just, <laughs> instead of just going, yeah, yeah, look, all things considered, I'm not going to fire him. I mean, one of the things he could have said was, you know, get rid of a special advisor in a pandemic, maybe, you know, not the best for continuity. But he said, no, he almost seemed to big him up for it. He was like, yeah, I, I don't mark him down. Do you know what? He did what any father had done. Actually, I think he's a ledge. Um, and they all built up. And then they said, you know what? We're going to give you this conference in the garden. Like, what a weird thing that was in British political history. Uh, you, I was, you were probably like me. I was sitting there. I was excited. I had butterflies for this. And sort of helped demonstrate just how much I miss football. Um, I was like, it couldn't possibly deliver on the excitement. It was like an FA Cup final. It just was nowhere near as good and he sort of killed he sort of parked the bus a bit didn't he if we're going to extend the football metaphor he parked the bus and then, and then it got exciting again when we had the journalists come up and of course journalists now you know a bit like Emily Maitlis which we'll come on to but they've got to give their little speech haven't they instead of actually pressing the geezer on details um, I think uh, Koonsberg went up obviously she's under a lot of pressure to hold his feet to the fire so she did her bit Beth Rigby come up and they were just like telling him off. And that wasn't their job to be there. Like, do you realise how many people haven't been able 
to attend funerals and like yeah look that yeah it's really sad that that happened i mean the guy has got in a car and gone somewhere i don't are you now blaming him for the for the funeral thing i don't know and you're not let it's not your job to lecture him is to ask incisive questions because there were gaping holes in his story right just a little bit of cross-examination and then the first journalist that come up was that gary geezer the guy with glasses on straight away he was in there do you know what i mean like a courtroom drama and then the first time you saw you saw the story start to unravel a little bit. And I thought, isn't that this what journalists uh, are there to do? Right? And, and then over the next few days, as they realised that, that he wasn't going to resign, they got it, you know, they started equating it with bigger and bigger crisis. Like, this is, this is bigger than, this is bigger than Watergate. This is bigger than Profumo. This is bigger than Iraq. I actually saw one that said that. A senior journalist said, this is bigger than Iraq. And I thought, fucking, they have lost their minds again, haven't they? It's just this is what happens on the remain side. Is like they have a point, they have a point, and then they just ex- it's like the same with no deal. They take that point to such an extreme that I just think, Do you know what, I, I'm tapping out here. I it almost got like a uh, a game show where it's like higher or low, is it higher or lower than Iraq? Oh no, it's much, much lower. What the fuck is wrong with you? And then, of course, we had uh, Emily Maitlis, who did a little uh, bit at the beginning of Newsnight, in which she, as well as giving both a factual account of what had happened with Dominic Cummins, she used it as an opportunity to jab on some of the stuff he'd done in the past. So she said that he had previously lazily thrown around words like elite and that he was showing blind loyalty to Boris, which is obviously opinion. It is opinion. There's a lot of people who are going to agree with it. That doesn't mean it's not an opinion. And you know, maybe maybe it's not blind loyalty. Maybe Boris has got a logical reason for it. Maybe, maybe he loves him. Do you know what I mean? Maybe they're having a thing. You know what Boris is like, right? But I just thought about Emily Maitlis. You know, if you, if you you're a great journalist, right? You're a great journalist. But if if you want to do the speeches and the opinion pieces, then get the other side of the desk. But of course, she doesn't because you know because that that's the high highest profile place to be a journalist, right? Is to be the anchor. She wants she wants uh, to have a cake and eat it. And I do think that there's something that's happened with the general public, right? Sorry, with journalists since Brexit, is that they were elevated to superstar status by this process, made them huge figures, well famous, huge viral clips. And, well, fame is, fame is an addiction, isn't it? Fame, eventually, you're going to... I've done the odd bit of telly. I, it's a dark thing, you know? You do it, you want, you want that feeling again. And whether or not it's conscious or subconscious, there's no doubt that they are sometimes reaching for that big viral home run you know but it is it does come back to the point that all of this could have could have been saved if 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 the handling of it by Cummins and Johnson at the front end had been a bit better now of course you've got this phrase going around oh there's one rule for them I'll tell you something it is dangerous politically when uh when 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 the phrase against you is something that people have said their whole lives you know what I mean there's one rule for them. I mean, it just sounded like basically you know, something your mum or your nan would say. Well, I'll tell you something, it's one rule for them. That's going to stick around. That is going to stick around. Um, there was a lot of polls which showed that there was, um, you know, a, a clear majority of people that thought that, that uh, Cummins should resign. What the polls didn't show was how pissed off people were about it. So the press was sort of taking it as like, well, two thirds of people think he should re- resign. But within that, there's obviously a kind of pitchfork. I think it should resign. Let's go to his house. (laughs) Let's shout stuff at him in the street to someone like me who's like, yeah, I think he's, yeah, he probably, yeah, he should have resigned. I'm not not furious about it. I just think that 
I think that's what he should have done in the long run. But, you know, he hasn't. And I guess the government will have to, you know, wear the damage of that. And the polls, you know, the polls, they showed a drop. Yeah, there's no doubt in Westminster voting intention between anywhere between two and five points. It's quite a lot. But, um, yeah, I mean, it would have been a standard week for Corbyn, let's be honest. So so it remains to be seen. It remains to be seen. And, and obviously with news stories kicking off these race riots and stuff like that, Never, never underestimate the power of another news story to come in and be a lot bigger. And you know, lockdown is easing, and I think I think that's the right thing. I think that people have sort of forgotten. You know, they're talking about the fact that there is still risk. Of course, there's still risk. Lockdown wasn't originally supposed to get rid of any sense of risk. Lockdown was to avoid the NHS being overwhelmed. You know, so it's worth bearing that in mind as we'll hear like, oh, there's been a there's been a new case of coronavirus somewhere. Yeah. There probably is going to be, you know, but we have to restart life and we have to restart the economy. And I think when it comes to the way that journalists are handling a lot of these stories is, is, is the bottom line. What most people think is uh, report on the news. Don't try and make it fucking happen. So welcome to what most people think. Kenny Marmarella de Cruz. Did I get your name right, Kenny? Brilliantly pronounced. I'm foreign, don't you know? You're foreign. I mean, Marmarella de Cruz. That's almost like smacking people over your head with the the, the foreignness. It's a it's a great name. What does it does it have any roots? What's Marmarella mean? Yeah. Is that Marmarella means little mother, and it's my Italian wife's name. And de Cruz is Portuguese. My family's from Goa. It means off the cross, yeah. which is a little bit Catholic. But then I was a little. I was very Catholic actually, and then I properly drifted. So you're Kenny, little mother off the cross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it does sound cooler when you say the full name, Marmarella de Cruz. When we first when we first met, I was a bit taken with your name, and I just want to explain to the to the listeners here. So I was doing a pilot for a show which never got took up. Um, BBC, you know, mm. give this guy. His I own. didn't know that. How rude. Yeah, did it. Well, you know, it's finances, money. Everyone loved it. Everyone loved it, but. Um, but there may be something else in that pipeline. But the idea of the show was about masculinity, essentially. It was about like somebody like me, who is quite blokey in essence, uh, reluctantly finding his way through emerging new models of male psychology and getting blokes to talk about things. And that's how we met. Now, I came to one of the groups that, that you do quite commonly in and around North London, can yeah. you just explain, in a nutshell, what you do and your approach to male psychology? So, um, the groups that I started running, I started running when I came back from uh, travelling for five years and living abroad. And it was basically wanting to hang out with my best friends with some depth. As well as going raving and everything, it's like, yeah, I need some more depth. I need to um, be men as well as boys. Yes. And that was 20 years ago. Now, since uh, lockdown, I've been holding a group uh, every weekday lunchtime. I'm holding about 12 men's groups, uh, closed groups, a few open groups. And basically, we hang out, we get real about what's going on, talk about what's happening, learn from each other. And it's not like hierarchical therapy, mm. um, cleverness. It's just like hanging out and getting real. So you uh, think, because I can remember when you talk about it not being hierarchical and it being quite blokey perhaps compared to what people would think of as conventional counselling, 
when I came in the room, you had a sort of mock-up of a fire on the floor, and it was set up in a... It made me think of loads of cowboys that were moving from town to town and were just kind of like sharing their fears and neurosis uh, at night. But but what's the thinking behind structuring structuring it in that way? So um, we've got 12 ground rules, which are really quite simple. And one of the ground rules is you can say pass, so you don't have to do anything. Another ground rule is play bigger than the wolves. So it's not like being liked within the hierarchy. It's like getting real about who you are and who you no longer need to be. And then obviously stuff like confidentiality. Then we do two-minute silence before we start just to get the busyness of the day and the hurries and worries out the way so we're present. Uh, and then I've got a quick check-in round and we just see what's in the room and take it from there and kind of learn from each other's successes and failures and stuff like that rather than you should do this or what do you think to that or being mm. a victim to something. It's like, okay, so have you not dealt with this then? This is what's going so on. So it's interesting. Straight away, like I think what will resonate with people is you, you talked about being a victim today. That's one of the things that maybe with blokes and counselling and conventional sort of talking therapies that they, they balk at is the idea that you're essentially admitting weakness. And I often see like counsellors on telly going, it's okay to be weak. And I sort of think as a bloke, well, you just said weak. Now I don't want to do it. i don't think it's about being weak i think it's you know people say man up and all that stuff Mm. i think for me it's more man up and talk about it talk about what's really going on so you're not you're not dismissing that phrase because i i I don't like it personally because i think that that phrase appealing to your own masculinity as a call to arms i think it has a place And for me, it's not man up and put on a better show and be a bigger fraud. Mm. It's man up and talk about it and stop putting on a show and drop some of the masks. So it's kind of turning masculine into masculine. And that is who are you really? And what is it that you need that you're still surviving? That's actually not going on. And if you talk about it, you name it and you're no longer kind of controlled by shaming it or blaming it. And then you can live beyond it. And most people are still surviving something from their childhoods. And that needs to be kind of like get present, get connected, get real and start living from here and now. And if you don't know how, then we can talk about it and see how other people have done it. So the man up is get real and get vulnerable. And being putting on a good show is not being vulnerable. And in vulnerability, there's real power. And that's not being weak. Um, and vulnerability isn't always, you know, booing forever. It's just like, get it out. Get it out and start to live beyond it. Get what out? Sorry, Kenny, I'm being immature again here. What I remember there was like a sort of state, there's a couple of things, and I, all I can remember is that you asked everybody in the room when they'd last ejaculated. And I... <laughs> and, and I... And I had a real issue. I had. I just found it funny, because I, I didn't... I didn't it, <laughs> expect it but I've all, I've always wondered I don't know if I got an answer from you on the day about about why that is I, I thought it was I'll a fascinating you, question so do you know so you know with the check-in round there are all sorts of um, different things that you're asked like your name and what you want from the group and what when you last cried whatever and the ejaculation thing is so people can talk about their emotional health their sexual health 
are they the type who are like addicted to porn and, and they waste their way their energy on wankathons and stuff like that yeah it could be about aging it could be about anything to do with physical body sexual health relationship health and stuff like that so it's to open that up plus often men getting together especially if you don't know the blokes it's like being the new boy in school yeah. And is anyone going to like me? Am I going to be teased or bullied or am I going to be broken somewhere? Is there going to be some sort of a weird initiation type thing? Well, when so you th- asked me about ejaculating, I did think that there might be, Kenny, to be honest. <laughs> what, what if, has, has anyone ever tried to gain the confidence of the group by going, well, stick around a minute? And <laughs> I'll tell you what happened with one guy. He was in his like mid-60s. And he came in like five minutes late, came in hot, <laughs> And uh, <laughs> he said, well, actually, the reason I'm late, and we were on the floor. It's like, so you had a wank before coming into yeah. the room. But um, it's not, no one remembers. I mean, it doesn't really matter. But people go in scared. So it's like, not only do they get to talk about these issues, uh, you know, with relationships and whatever it is, or even premature ejaculation or not getting it up or whatever it is, Hmm. but they come in scared and they get their pound of flesh of something scary is going to happen. So that question gives them their scary thing and then we can get on. And no one really in the 20 years I've been doing this probably remembers or even cares it's just one of the questions see i i have to be the voice of immaturity here like immediately i'm seeing all the logic in what you're saying but i'm also wondering like have you ever been shocked at how long it's been since a bloke has ejaculated like it must have been one where you've gone fucking hell mate mate." well some people it's years years and some people in the old days especially they'd say you know they'd be the spiritual ones that go oh yes well i have lots of sex but i never ejaculate because i practice tantra oh my and god i allow the orgasm to feed my body and blah 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 so it depends on some people they can't yeah. get it up some people they don't touch it some people they do tantric stuff and you know it's different for different people and also how often do blokes say look i can't stop wanking i have a porn addiction yeah. and i don't know how to stop it and people can say that and get over it and get their lives back and very often it's not even pleasurable for these guys it's taking the edge off because they've got anxiety about something or because they're depressed or whatever it is. i mean there so is definitely like, that thing with porn where like if you actually stop and discipline yourself to have an old school wank and you just think of things and you get them what vivid. Is an, oh, right. Just yeah, imagination. Yeah, yeah. Just just to get imagination. It, it, it's better. Do you know what I mean? It's obviously better. It's. I don't know with me whether it's addiction or laziness, Kenny, to be honest. It's, Do you know what? Different strokes for different folks. Are you deliberately doing these puns, mate? <laughs> <laughs> are you deliberately... You talked about your pound of flesh. I let that one go as well. <laughs> I thought if you'd be, be doing all right if it was a pound of flesh, frankly. But... Um, <laughs> The um, one, what were the other things that you asked in that intro? Because the one I remembered, obviously, is the ejaculation one, but it was like in a sort of inventory, wasn't it, in a way? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the last time I cried can be a really big one because some blokes, you'd never think it, but they cry all the time. And mm. it could be because they're sad or broken that they haven't got over something. Some blokes want to. They mm. can't. They're just so kind of like bricked up their emotions. Yeah. Uh, and some blokes, it's like... Um, for me, these days especially, I want to cry a lot, not because I'm sad or anything, Mm. but when I feel my heart opening, when people are nice to me, 
or when people are nice to each other or I see something beautiful or even working with a client or working with the groups, I want to cry, but it's like a heart opening type thing. So the last time I cried, people get to talk about something big in their lives that very often they're holding on to. Yeah. And that's really important because I believe that so many blokes who come to the groups are not men. They're boys mm. and they're surviving and they've given their power over to what people think or their status or, you know, all of that stuff. And they're busy fixing things and coming from fear and the power goes out. They're kind of going to the world. Am I? Am I good enough? Am I safe? Am I going to be rejected? Am I going to be humiliated? Where they get to learn to exist in their lives and come from I am. And that's not power over anyone, mm. but that's empowered in their power. They can share power, but at least they exist and they know how they feel and they know who they are, and, or at least they get to, and they know what they like, and then other people can meet them there. And it's not surviving it's living it's not fixing it's taking part in it's mm. not reacting it's responding and blokes learn how to turn from boys to men and very often a lot of blokes haven't had a lot of good men in their lives it's just been quite blokey or quite survival or yeah. you know, a lot of my clients even people who come to groups they're boarding school boys so a lot of people project power and wisdom on them Mm. amongst other things meanwhile a lot of these blokes are still eight years old when they were sent to a posh children's home yeah, yeah. some of them did well some of them didn't do well at all it's not all bad but it's like where are you stuck in the past that you need to live beyond yeah i mean i totally subscribe to that i think if you think once you realize you know the extent to which it's, it's scary really especially when you've got kids yourself the amount it's all about the childhood. I mean, I think it about politics as well. I'm currently working on something where my theory is that, you know, politics is, is supposed to be this rational synthesis of the world around you where you go, oh, I think my view on politics is sentient. And actually, I think a lot of it comes from your early experience of life. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know... Totally. Were you, were, you, were, you, were you hugged enough or were you hugged too much? <laughs> I'd, yeah, say, yeah. I'd say if you were hugged too much, you're probably a socialist. Yeah, broad brush strokes. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. I just hope, hope you're uh, enjoying the chat with me and Kenny Marmarella de Cruz. Uh, just going to do a quick hype for the £5 Patreons. Uh, we've got this week Steve Hansen, Scott Doherty and Glenn Flaherty and Johnny Pichichi. They're all got T's in them. But thanks to those guys for supporting uh, the podcast and the work that I'm doing. Uh, as we're talking, this is lunchtime on Friday. I'm doing the first of the new material gigs on Patreon tonight. And that is, uh, that's another benefit of being a Patreon. You never know. Even the benefits that are listed, I might just throw a new one in there. Do you know what I mean? Like, hey, online new material gig, free, Bosch for Patreons. Guaranteed for the VIPs front row. Guaranteed back row access, uh, access for the five pounders. 15 three pound tickets there. I sound like a bloke selling fucking meat out of a van now, don't I? I'll tell you what else, ladies. I'll throw in the leg of the lamb. I'll do the burgers, the pork chops, and I'll call it a tenner. Ten pound. Who's going to do? Ten pound. But, um, but yeah, so if you want to be involved in that, right, uh, there's loads of benefits there. Check out Patreon, either what most people think 
or or Jeff Norcott, and um, yeah, just give me some fucking money. Do you know what I mean? I might even throw, I might even start doing nudes. Do you know what I mean? I might even throw in a little little hand job as well for the VIP patron. There was some some stuff that you said. I think that makes your work particularly relevant now is that I think women do keep very good relationships as they go on and very communicative lines uh, of dialogue open. But you were saying that modern men more than ever, those shut down as you hit middle age. And this is why partly why the men's groups work and partly why depression is a particular problem for men. Yeah, I would say um, these days it's not even about uh, men and women. It's more about masculine and feminine. And with a lot of relationships I've worked with, the blokes actually needed to be more true to himself because his feminine sides need, need to come up and his fighting, his wife's can't, they're both fighting to be who they're not. Yeah. Where sometimes if it's a, a masculine woman and a feminine man and it works, then why fight it? Right. And I would say one of the main differences between a man and a boy is a boy needs to prove his masculinity and... Mm compete in that way where a man includes his femininity and he can listen and he can respond and he can collaborate and it's mm. not all about uh, competition and proving anything so i was gonna say there i was gonna say i hear you there sister just to try and prove to you <laughs> <laughs> but weirdly that was an example of me competing so it can all get <laughs> and, can... and there's nothing wrong with competition and it can be so much fun yeah. and you know what's banter that's kind of like competition in a way. And it's naming the shadow stuff. And I'd rather know who hates me and who thinks that I'm whatever it is, racist stuff, than people are nice to my face and they're mm. being frauds. I'd rather get it out. I do think that pretend. that is, as you say, whether it's those are characteristics held by men and women, if that is a good thing about being male, is to confront things and, and to be able to share things without... Uh, resentment and like you say the the banter I've always found between blokes that is a, a crucial life skill is to be torn apart by the group but still held within the group whereas yeah. I do think that that is something that, that women don't experience so much uh, in early life and, and that fear of rejection sort of stays with them you know so women women are like in social situations women are overly attentive to each other to the point where everyone starts getting fucking uncomfortable you know let yeah. me help you with that let me come in the kitchen <laughs> oh, just fucking like this is getting weird now and also we all know it's building up to that point when we get in the car and it turns out you hate her you know <laughs> despite the fact that you've been kissing her ass for last thing so so it, like you say that's what was interesting with you is about holding the good bits of masculinity going forward because i guess with the me too stuff and the recent backlash against masculinity generally is that fear that the good things get lost too yeah no 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 keep all the best stuff and also i think the way that i've got to know myself is by getting to know which parts of me are just not necessary anymore so it's not who am i mm. it's who am i not and who do i no longer need to be and i used to be a mummy's boy and I used to be yeah, really competitive. I used to be a right basket case. I used to have Tourette's and OCD and all of these things. Um, and I let go of so much of my fear and second guessing mm. and saving women and taking care of women and stuff like that. Yeah. And I've needed to be my own man and let go of those behaviours, let go of people not liking me, 
let go of all of that and think, well, why would I want people who I think are absolute idiots to like me? Mm. That's proper selling out. But it's so, interesting what you said there. You said um, that you used to have OCD and you used to have Tourette. So you, you found that yeah. you've able to overcome these conditions. Yeah, yeah. I had a, I was a proper basket case. I'd mm. be winking and twitching and grunting and picking at myself and I had body dysmorphia and suicidal thoughts and mm. all of that. Uh, because of post-traumatic stress disorder. So this lockdown, I'm a refugee from Uganda, and my family were wanted by the Secret Service, so yeah. we had to go into hiding. And when we had lockdown, just before lockdown, I thought, because someone I work with uh, had the symptoms, I thought, well, I need to self-isolate. Mm. And it was weird, because it was just like when I was a kid. Yeah. And it's like, I'm dangerous people who come into contact with me might be contaminated. Yeah, and that's yeah. how we were when we were on, on the death list. It's amazing how these little like, triggers work. I think that people big time. underestimate. Like, even with like grief, I find at certain parts of the year, as I get towards that point, little things of like how the weather is, you know what I mean? Or there's a certain yeah. kind of way that the trees look or something. And, and you don't realise that all these little coders are going on. And yeah. you just think you're losing your mind. But actually your brain stores all this stuff. And, yeah. and it can and kind you know of... what's dangerous about that yeah. is I find so many people are not aware of what's being triggered. And then whatever it is they're carrying, they either damage themselves with and they get depressed by pushing it in mm. or they express it in a bad way. So it's either overexpression and it could be violent mm. or it could be a sharp tongue or it could be a bad behavior over drinking or whatever it is. But the reason I hold these groups every day is so people can name what's going on yeah, and yeah. they know where it's coming from and it diffuses it rather than with so many, and I'd say more blokes than women, but maybe I'm wrong. It's like, you're not even with them here and now you're surviving their childhoods or you're surviving their trauma that they're lashing out, out now from there because yeah. emotionally that's where they are. They might be physically in front of you, but emotionally they're in trauma and you're, you're going to get it. So I I think that that is a that is a fundamental gender difference is that is that women are encouraged so even like working class and middle class women will all have a good language in and around articulating what they're happy about what they're not happy about what they're pissed off about moaning let's be honest you know the but moaning has its place and I think that you need to do it even when you see like shows like Jeremy Carl you'd see like you know someone who obviously wasn't that academically gifted someone who might have dropped out of school but if she's a female she would often still be able to talk about what she's feeling but then they bring out the bloke and you see that look in his eyes the fucking <laughs> confusion poor bastard doesn't know what's going on and I think that when you when you spoke about like I guess destructive behaviours I've got mates like that where the woman is incredibly emotionally intuitive bloke not so much so what happened is they're both acting up in the relationship but she will uh, keep that line of dialogue open to him he'll just push it all down after three years of this he goes and gambles away like the kids' college fun. Sleeps with a hook, <laughs> sleeps with a hooker, and it, like when she asked him why he did it, he's like, "I don't know," but he, I know why he did it. It's because she was squeezing the shit out of him for three years. It's not to blame her, but to say that it becomes, in the end, I think, like a composite reaction where it's so exaggerated, and it will end up giving him more stuff to deal with than if he itemised it as it was going. And I would say the big difference between men and women is our hormones. And a boy is owned by his dick and mm. his testosterone. 
where a man can own his dick rather than it owning him yeah. and step into his power and use his energy creatively. And with testosterone comes uh, a very short attention span. Mm. That means that walking into a female mind is like entering a minefield. Mm -hmm. And so many men don't speak in, in heated situations like this because they know that whatever they say, it will be wrong. Where with blokes and banter, it's like, okay, you'll be put right and it'll be a joke and you can navigate your way with them. Where with a woman's mind, it's like, it's so brilliantly planned out and so precise and articulate that, testosterone doesn't know how to navigate through that mm. so a, a man and a woman really need to know how to meet and walk together with forgiveness and a heart connection and be on the same side rather than just like kind of like he's too scared to speak he's knows is not going to be heard because she doesn't know how to listen to him because she takes it personally mm. and it just carries on perpetuating probably what they had in their childhoods with their parents or something or what you see in this the crap 70s dramas i don't know i haven't watched tv for a decade or so that people still think are normal life yeah that's not the way to live there was something that you you did with me as well that i i, I was like really impactful was that you we were in a room together and um you, you separated out uh, three i think three bits of my personality and i know that with yeah. the cameras and we were pushed for time you said it would have taken longer but even within that time it was fascinating you i think the ones i remember is you separated jeff the protector so yeah. you sort of identified an experience i'd had early in life where sort of my anxiety was the the sort of alert kind of guard in a way that would come out at various times. Yeah. But, and, and I, I suppose on a level I was conscious of that, but it was still interesting to, to kind of make it a separate identity. But the one that yeah. really interests me was the uh, Jeff the party animal, because we, I, you <laughs> I asked me, that yeah, so well. you asked me to give a voice to the sort of fuckhead in me that every once in a while stays up till 6am. And, um, <laughs> And I, as I as I spoke as that, it was almost like being hypnotised and, and speaking as that guy and, and, and realising it was a very different person, you know, than, than my everyday, but still a part of me. Yeah, that is the most powerful work that I do. And it turns blokes around so quickly mm. because the protector can very often own a person's life. Yeah. Because something happened in childhood so this part shows up and this part's job is for the, the bloke to survive. Not necessarily to live or be happy, it's yeah. survival. And so many people live in survival. That survival mode can kind of like kill them, takes their life away. And then to get to know another part that might be dominant, which might be a rebellious part to this. And the only break that that poor bloke gets is if he's pissed or something and the survivor can't control him. Yeah. So that opposite part also needs to be heard mm. and they need to know how to work together. But very often the part that they meet for the first time is the man in them and the man in them needs to take his place, listen to what the protector has to say so the protector doesn't shut, shut the life down. Mm. And it's almost like these inner parts, they're all there. They just need to be heard, take their space, get balanced, and for the person to know how to navigate them. And I have been doing so much of this online, and mm. my God, it's got dark. Because mm. the stuff that's come up with some of the blokes that I've worked with, very successful, some of them, mm. has been like 
sex stuff, cult stuff, abuse stuff, um, all sorts of really heavy stuff that they wouldn't be able to access yeah. unless they got this space. But I suppose, so yeah, and online like, as well, maybe people are feeling a little bit more at liberty, right? You know, it's, it's that bit more when you're in the room with somebody, it feels a bit more intense, but it's yeah. close to a human interaction, but there's a bit of safety there, I guess. Yeah. I remember when we did it, you were lying on the ground for one bit. Do you remember? Yeah, I can't... What was that? Which part of it was that? I can't remember. I don't remember. remember which part that was, but you made himself comfortable and he was well heard. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, I, it was It was a shame that the, the show never uh, um, went forward because I think, like, the blokes that I met on your sessions, I, I think that maybe some of my listeners would have an idea of of who would go to these sessions and no no doubt some of them were north london kind of, kind of like falafel munching type blokes but then there was also yeah. some proper geezers there as well you yeah. know there, there was one bloke i remember in particular that got talking in, in the air and had a little uh emotion like he had a cry basically about his his old man but he let it happen and stuff but it came out of nowhere yeah. and um and it really broke me down because obviously all my piss taking at that point having lost parents myself i that i, I totally empathized with him but he was, bold, you know, he was bold with it. He had a cry and then he, he moved on. I, yeah. I, if I could sell one thing to blokes, it's like crying. I went through a number of losses like about five years ago. And, and in a way, I miss crying because it's such a tidy way of feeling better. <laughs> like yeah. if you can actually access it, it's like, it's like a tactical chunder before you go out drinking, you know? <laughs> it, it's probably not the healthiest way to, to, to say that, but it, what most people think. it gets you past where you think rather than feeling like this for three days, I go, right, what is it? What is yeah. it? Because the one thing I've said on the, on the podcast, I haven't said it for a while, is about journaling. Like if you can't do anything else, just get sometimes pen to paper, start, you know, excavating um, a little bit. And it's surprising. You just lay it out there and go, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm really angry about that or... Yeah. I didn't realise you know, it. It's really blokey to go in the head and try and fix things. Uh, and very often fixing things is staying out of trouble, uh, not being blamed. It's, it's very, very survival. Uh, where things don't always need to be fixed. Very often they need to be met and then they will shift. Yeah. And sometimes when people stop thinking and they get some space with something, then the penny drops or it comes together somehow. It's like that space. And I would say it's not just crying. Crying is definitely good to let things pass and to give you your life back rather than holding on to it and holding on to it and stuff like that. But breathing, quite simply breathing. And when there's something upsetting going on, whether it's for myself or someone else says it, I notice I don't breathe. But if I breathe into it and I breathe it by, then mm. it passes. Same with my own emotions. And I'd say breathing, crying, laughing's not bad, moving's good, but these th writing it out. So the story's not in my head driving me crazy. Yeah. It's in front of me. The story no longer owns me and I can be separate from it and I can have choice with it rather than it's in my head and I'm going to dedicate my life to surviving it. That's not a life. Mm. That's just like some really bad joke. It's limbo. You don't want to Yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree. And I think that, you know, t talking therapies, it is really hard to get it in some blokes' heads. The, the one I always use is about how, how much uh, counselling the US Armed Forces use now. And for some reason, 
blokes go, oh yeah, like that gets their attention because they know that yeah. if there's one thing the American military do don't do is piss about with things that don't work, you know. Yeah. Their missiles work, their bombs work, and if they're doing all that counselling, there's a good chance that works. So, I mean, I couldn't like recommend highly enough that people, you know, if, if they live in your area, obviously once the groups start up, um, check it's out. It's all online. It's I'm all online. Sure so how can people... Yeah, well, that's incredible. And yeah, but now you can do your work nationwide. How can people find you, Kenny, if they want to have a chat and start this process? Themanwhisperer.co.uk. I'm embarrassed to say it because people have told me how crap my website is, but the videos are good, and that's how I've There's get something to blokey about having a shit website. <laughs> that's, I think that's probably a fuck you to all your modern fancy websites. This thing, <laughs> it looks like a late 1997 done on clip art in Word or whatever. <laughs> oh, it's crap. And then I've got mensgroups.co.uk, and that's where all the men's group stuff is. And also, you can, next month, it's Men's Health Week. I think it's on the 18th of June. Yeah. You can, I'm launching an ebook, and that basically says, here you go, start your own group online. Right. Uh, at the moment, there's a quick start guide with the, the ground rules and the check and round and a few videos and stuff, so you can start your Just own like, group. Just like a franchise, like. You know, well, it's all giving it away. Are you the Ronald McDonald of men's health here, Kenny? Is that what we're saying? <laughs> <laughs> mate, as a Tory, I'm like, yes, mate, that is what you want. You want to franchise it out. But obviously, I'm, ta- I'm taking the piss and I've seen, you know, the way that this can disseminate and and, and how that people that take, you know, who, who lead those sessions then get even more out of it after a while. Because obviously... We're counselling. There's yeah. a point, that you, and, and talking, there's a point you get to where you kind of know the tricks and it's passing on that that message that where the where the pleasure and the learning continues right but then i am doing exactly what you said i mean i'm not doing it other people are because i haven't got the head for it or computers Mm. but there's going to be an accredited training Mm -hmm. so there's a certain standard then there's going to be either a franchise or a licensing thing Mm. so it keeps that standard and people are regularly checked and people can then take it into their own communities because i'm only me I'm not Jewish enough or gay enough or Muslim enough or whatever mm. it is enough. These people need to take it into their own communities and they'd be better at it than me. So yeah. it's like, since I'm 55 now, since I turned 50, it's like, pass it on, pass it on. Yeah, yeah. And I just want to pass everything on. So I'm not necessary. And I would love for these groups and things and all the tools to be as available as 12-step programs because then people won't need to go to 12-step programs or they won't need to phone, uh, say, Samaritans or whatever because we've nipped it in the bud and people aren't owned by the crap that goes on in their head or the past that they have that still owns them. And it's like blokey talk rather than so many people say they, they've kind of gone to therapy it really works for some people and mm. i recommend it to some people but for some people it's too much in the head yeah. or it's too much how do i need to be yeah in order it can to feel it passive right? and it can be and it also feels a bit whiny and and a lot of therapy i i, I came to a ground hall with it when i just realized that a lot of counselors were just saying to me oh that must have been very hard for you i'm going <laughs> well no it's hard that's why i'm fucking here do you know what i mean like <laughs> You know, I had a therapist yeah. who came to men's groups for three years, a uh, closed group, mm. and I said to him three years later, surely your life can't be that shit. Mm. And there was deadly silence. And then he said, yeah, but I thought in order to get the most out of this, I need to bring some badness to the group because then I'm getting my money's worth. And da, da, da. And I said, surely it's more important to live a good life than to keep coming here and talking shit. <laughs> 
and finally he got it. It's like you don't have to be a victim. You can come to a group to have a good time and hang out yeah, and yeah. celebrate. Well, it's maintenance as well. Like it's another way I put it exactly. to blokes. It's like it's like running a car. It's like you don't. The reason you have a service is not because the car's broke. It's because you don't want the head gasket to go. You know. Yeah. You can have that yeah. one, Kenny. That all these <laughs> these metaphors. But listen, man, you you do great work, and I can't you know encourage people enough to check out the man whisperer and your men's group stuff and thank you so much for coming on what most people think cool good to hang out so there was there kenny marmorella de cruz i hope you enjoyed that chat i don't know man like if you feel challenged by that and i have had sometimes when i spoke about men's mental health before why you know you don't have to do it just, just have a think. Just some of the stuff he said blatantly makes sense. And also, I know a lot of ladies listen to this. You might be thinking, like, you know, your old man. He's got a lot of stuff from his childhood. How am I going to get him out there? Well, just, you know, blokey, blokey talking. There is there is a way. There is a way. Uh, we're just going to do the letters here. Um, I, we, I asked for loads. Of, typical of my listenership. I asked for loads of blokes, you know, letters thinking they talk about their issues and stuff like that and, and I didn't get any I didn't get any at all I got a couple uh, I got one um, it's dear Jeff my flatmate and I are in our early 20s and he has a horrific diet which I tell him which I said, well that's a big shout in there between blokes fucking hell uh, of just pizza brown food no vegetables and no exercise brown food brown food is healthy beige food is what you want I mean not what you want right that's what I want you know that thing about when people say oh, I was a beige buffet? They say it like it's bad. I think a buffet, I just want to see stuff that I can dip in, either ketchup or barbecue sauce. Is that wrong? <laughs> is, that why, is that why I cannot get below 13 stone? Anyway, this letter from a guy, uh, he says, but this guy, his mate, is still skinny. Now, first up, guy, as men, we don't use the word skinny, all right? We either say he's ripped or he's... Skinny. I just, I don't know why. Why has that challenged me? I always thought that was like a, a female adjective. But he's still skinny. Well, evidently, this has pissed you off, guy. Um, what you want to know is, will there come a point where, he says, with your age as wisdom, do you know, Jeff, what age it will be when his metabolism uh, might give in and he'll start packing on the pounds? But the great thing I can tell you guys, with blokes like that, it will come one day in a compound fucking consolidation-sized loan belly and the thing about those guys is when they get fat they've spent so much of their life not being fat that it takes them a while to get their head around it they're just walking around like this fucking like man cow and <laughs> and the weird thing that often happens as well is their face doesn't get fat so there's this weird kind of like like shrunken headed sort of peanut head look uh, while their body uh, expresses the the sort of behavior of a person who's ate a lot of peanuts so so just hang in there guy and you know, you know, stop giving, you know, stop giving him the advice, mate. What you want to do is be, don't criticize him. Just make sure that you're still around for when he walks out there, like like uh, like Homer Simpson, where he wears the fat suit. What most people think. Jeff, uh, his layer here. Ah, oh, we again. Sorry, we didn't get to talk about this with Kenny. Uh, Jeff, I'm a guy who's been surreptitiously self-isolating for the last fifteen years. All right, immediately. I think this person's not entirely serious. Uh, the last couple of months have been an absolute delight. Could you ask your guests if he or she has any guidance on how to deal with my lockdown-related uh, anxiety? How am I going to continue to avoid social interactions with family, friends and work colleagues without the excuse of lockdown? It's a disgrace. 
I'm already booked into a socially distanced barbecue for six on Monday evening. Okay, all right, Mike. We see. <laughs> I see where you're going with that. Yeah, look, if you're a certain kind of bloke, this has been brilliant. It depends on whether you have kids, what age the kids have, what Sky Sports package you've got, whether you've got Netflix. This could have been a golden time where you've just watched that Michael Jordan documentary and wanked yourself into orbit. I don't know. Uh, he says, uh, also, he says, I love the show. Could you give a shout out to my mum, Maggie? She would have been 135 years old this Saturday, but she was cruelly taken from us well before her time by this bastard virus. I, I absolutely see what you've done there, Mike. And yeah, I have seen some of that stuff where people go in, you know, my, my, my poor old granddad who was older than fucking Yoda was taken from us before his time. Uh, very funny. So that is the end of the show. I've just got a shout out uh, through a few three pound patrons here. Uh, Toby Pierpoint, Graham Wright and Liz Kemp. Liz Kemp, I don't know why Liz, you just sound like you would be a Labour politician. Is there? Am I, I'm thinking of Liz Kendall. Liz Kent. Has anyone worked out that I'm fluffing here because I'm checking out the reviews? I've got them up quicker than usual. So what ratings and reviews have we had of late? Uh, we've got one from Classic Wow. <laughs> Classic Wow says this podcast tests positive. <laughs> People make me laugh this week. This podcast tests positive for common sense. Uh, this is from Politics Teacher. Uh, as a teacher in a posh private school in the home counties, I am of course surrounded by loads of woke liberals. Jeff says the things I'd like to say in the common room, not staff room, please, but don't because I like a quiet life. Hey, listen, that is one of the great underestimated things of how teachers have to mind their p's and q's politically. So I was a uh, I remember once I had the Telegraph in a staff room uh, when I was a teacher and just got stared at. It was a te- fucking Telegraph, do you know what I mean? You'd have thought I was reading Mein Kampf. Yeah, I, I was reading that, but that was, you know, that was lunchtime. Um, oh, this is a review from CW. It's just a set of letters and numbers. I've only just become aware of this, uh, but it's great. does what it says on the tin, and if you like the only watchable part of the MASH report, it'll be right up your alley. Uh, look, I couldn't possibly comment on the MASH report, whether or not it was the only watchable part. Obviously, I'm friends with those colleagues. But if my bit was the bit that made sense to you. Uh, I will say one thing about the MASH report, though, was funny when it used to go out, was the people that used to troll me online. Just you could tell, like, I would always be interested by the ins- their insults because I'd look back on all the things that they enjoy. And it just gave me so much fucking pleasure to imagine that they'd be watching this one show like, oh, this is for us. Yay, Rachel. Yay, Nish. And then I'd just come out. This bloke that they probably steer clear of, like, if they were walking down the street out late at night, or this bloke that just reminds me of a football hooligan is uh, <laughs> on, on their favourite show. And, um, yeah, they, they just couldn't handle it. Why is he on it? I don't understand. It's just, you know, why can't we have more? Why can't we have 100% opinions that I agree with rather than 95% opinions that I agree with? Um, yeah, and this is, uh, that's it. I think that that's all the reviews that we've had. And look, this weekend, obviously, Dom did what he did, but just show some fucking common sense. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't, just because Dominic Cummins, right, just because Dominic Cummins... Think about what your old dear would say. What well, If Dominic Cummins jumped off a cliff, would you? you go, yeah, because, you know, one rule for one, run rule for the other. Most, 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 most